Greetings again in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a joy to be gathered together as God's people. Uh, And as you make your way uh, back to your seat or one like it, uh, what an absolute joy to welcome new family um, into the church um, and to see the covenant sign of baptism. Uh, it It makes me feel alive. I love it. Um, Just a few announcements for you on this third Sunday of Advent. First and foremost, tonight at 6 o'clock, we'll be celebrating our Lessons and Carols service. Um, So please, I hope that that's already on your calendar. If it isn't, scratch everything else. This is it. This is it. It's always uh, a delight to gather together, to hear the scriptures read, to sing to hear Rick and our beautiful team and choir lead in several pieces that they've selected and and practiced for many, many months. Um, It is going to be a blessing to God's people. So please make a point to come tonight to Lessons and Carols. You will not be disappointed, I promise. Um, Secondly, this week on Tuesday, we're hosting the Love Lady Dinner and Concert. This is an awesome thing that we get to do. It's a privilege that we get to host this every year Uh, for the love ladies as they gather for an amazing dinner. They get to enjoy a special evening of worship and celebration in a concert with Billingsley. He's awesome. Um, But we still need help. We still need volunteers. There there are several ways. Um, We need some help in the kitchen. So if you're breathing, we could use you. Um, Also, um, it's a part of the Love Lady Center that we get to also celebrate and minister to many children. The children of many of these love ladies who also come and we get to put on kind of one night VBS. And so this is something for you with, with young kids or even slightly older kids where you can serve together um, and to minister to those children. So please see the website. There's a place where you can sign up to do that. I would highly encourage it and we'll see you on Tuesday evening. And then lastly, just an appropriate mention of our congregational meeting next Sunday, 1015, here in the sanctuary um, to elect our slate of officers for the next year. Um, And now, let's see, Michael Latta, one of our elders, is going to come and pray for us. Good morning. Please join me in prayer. Father God, we thank you for gathering us here this morning. We come before you, as always, a very needy and broken people, and yet it is indeed your property to hear our petitions and our requests and our needs, and in your great riches and mercy to grant those requests, Father, where there is mourning, you give peace and comfort, where there is sickness and illness, you grant healing. Lord, this morning we continue to pray for the healing of Will Nalen in our midst. We pray for Catherine Driscoll this week as she prepares for upcoming surgery on Tuesday that you would just grant her a speedy recovery, Father. For Candy and Dugan Prater and the loss of his father, Jerry Prater, and similarly for Megan and David Wise and the loss of her grandfather, Bill Robertson. Lord, we thank you for the workshop that Ingram Link leads with our girls for Created for a Purpose, Lord. May that be a very fruitful endeavor. May those girls come away knowing just how much they are loved and cared for and cherished, and that indeed you have great plans for them. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of hosting the Love Lady concert this coming Tuesday night. We pray that all the preparations would go smoothly, that those women would come and know how much they are cared and loved for by you and by this congregation, and that above all else, that you would be glorified and magnified throughout those events. 
Lord, we pray now that you would make room in every heart gathered here this morning for the words to be given to us by Reverend Holt, that we might go forth from here proclaiming the good news of Christ Jesus. For he is our true king who has come to set captives free from sin, to remove the burdens of anxiety, depression, and every sort of wickedness entangling us. May we go forward from here shining forth your light and bring your peace and joy to all those encounter this holiday season. And for it's in son, your son's matchless name that we pray. Amen. Well, it is a very special Sunday. Uh, receiving so many members uh, fills us all with joy and we're, we're glad for it. And uh, it's good uh, for a church to be growing numerically. That's a good sign that people want to join your church and come and grow with you. And as we grow numerically, will we grow substantially? Will there be deep, rich, fruitful spiritual growth? If you and I will face some characteristic bad news about the people of God today and then put our trust in the one he has sent, uh, I've got great news. We can be a fruitful shoot on the vine that doesn't just grow numerically but grows in real richness of our spiritual lives where we grow and bear deep and rich fruit together. But first of all, we have to face one of the characteristic realities about God's covenant people. When God first chose Abraham and Sarah and said, hey, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make your family a a recipient and a conduit of my blessing. You are going to be the object of my blessing and then I'm going to bless all the families that are through you. Uh, That family that God set apart by his grace and his love that he chose for his own purposes, they were riddled with greed and favoritism and deceit. And as you watch their lives, you can see there are sometimes they listened to God and responded, but there are other times that they forgot what he said. And their ways had them end up in the providence of God landing in Egypt, in slavery, in bondage. And their situation was very harsh and they found it, and here's the key, they found it hard to listen to what God had said and remember what God had said. But God was faithful and God came and rescued his covenant people out of bondage and he brought them to himself. He rescued them with his his own mighty arms, but his people, they didn't listen to him. He rescued them with his grace and his love and he taught them his ways, but they didn't listen to him. You could say one of the core commandments that Yahweh, the one true creator God who rescued his people, had for his people was to listen. Shema, hear, O Israel. God has for his people the way of life. And when we don't listen and reject him, we're walking in the way of death. And so God told his people over and over again that he had the words of life, that his ways were true and right, but his people didn't listen. God put his people in the land that he promised their forebears and they lived in the land and he blessed them richly and in all their blessing, they didn't listen. 
And God said, you're going to forget me and you won't listen to my words. And so eventually I'm going to kick you out of the land. And even though they didn't, they didn't listen to God when things were great, when God came and kicked them out of the land, they didn't listen. Before he kicked them out of the land that he gave them, God sent them lots of prophets to say, you have forgotten the Lord. You're bowing down to other idols. You're worshiping other gods. And when we talk about idols, you know, the ancient people of God are worshiping idols. That can feel really culturally distant. And I understand that. Their idols clustered around uh, money, sex, and power. And that's really hard to relate to. They wanted to take care of themselves and have life on their own terms. They wanted to be in control of their circumstances. And they found themselves bowing down to any idol that would bless those aspects of their lives and give them control as they understood it in their own hands. And so God sent them prophet after prophet to say, stop, you're running headlong into death. Come back to me and have life. But they would not listen. And so eventually, this is the context of our passage today. God sent the Assyrian king Sennacherib and Sennacherib came into the southern part of the kingdom. The northern part of the kingdom had already fallen and now they're coming into the southern part. And guess what? Sennacherib came in in two big invasions and he laid waste every city in Judah. Hundreds of thousands of people carted off. There was only one city that stood and that was the city of Judah or Zion, God's holy hill where God met with his people. It was the only city standing. And the prophets like Isaiah and others told the people, you must listen to the Lord and do what he says. But even in those circumstances, God's people did not listen. So at one point, this is what we get in Isaiah 49, right before our passage today. There were a few survivors in Zion, the spared royal city, and they said, Yahweh, the, the city seen as one person, the people of God, Yahweh has forsaken me, my Lord has forgotten me. It was God's fault that they were in dire straits. In Isaiah 51 through 3, right before we get to our passage today, which is the third servant song, in the first three verses, God answers that objection. They said, Yahweh has forsaken and forgotten. And I know that there are times that we all feel that. When things are at their worst, we feel forsaken. We feel forgotten. So here's what God says in Isaiah 51 through 3. Hey, you're talking divorce language. Please show me the certificate of divorce. I never divorced your mother. Oh, you think you were sold into bondage for my debts? I don't have any debts. And so Yahweh makes it really, really clear. You've been living in rebellion. You were sold for your own sins. You were handed over for your own transgressions. And then Yahweh says this. Are my arms short? What's the implication? Don't you know we're still married? Don't you know I've pledged myself to you and my arms aren't short? I have the power to ransom and redeem you. Implication, just turn to me. So the major, a characteristic failure of God's people is a failure to listen and obey. Listen and believe. And so Yahweh has a special servant. He's going to send into the story that he's telling his people. He's going to send into our world. And we saw in Isaiah 42, the servant is going to bring Yahweh's justice to the nations. He's going to do it in gentleness and faithfulness and no one can stop him. And he's bringing the weak with him. Then we saw in Isaiah 49, 
uh, Yahweh's servant is going to come and he is going to be a light to the nations. The nations will be rescued and saved because of the servant. Today, we're going to see the preparation of the servant for his central task that's coming in the fourth psalm. But today, we're going to see the preparation of the servant. And here is why he's fit for the calling, the commission that Yahweh gives him, chiefly because he listens. Where God's people characteristically fail, this one obeys. And he's prepared by Yahweh to be the servant and to do his task that Yahweh has assigned to him because he listens. And obeys. Will you read it with me? Isaiah 54 through 11. Lord, Yahweh has given me the tongue of disciples, of those who learn, that I may know how to sustain the weary one with the word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. Lord, Yahweh has opened my ear and I did not rebel, nor did I turn back. I gave my back to those who strike me and my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard. I did not hide my face from dishonor and spitting. Even now, Lord Yahweh helps me. Therefore, I am not dishonored. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up to each other. Who has a judgment against me? Let him approach me. Behold, Lord, Yahweh helps me. Who is he who condemns me? Behold, they will all wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them. Who is among you that fears Yahweh, that listens to the voice of his servant, that walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of Yahweh and rely on his God. Behold, all you who kindle a fire, who gird yourselves with firebrands, walk in the light of your fire. And among the brands that you have set ablaze, this you will have from my hand. You will lie down in torment. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. The word of our God stands forever. O Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, open our ears today. Grant us soft hearts that we might be supple in your hands and responsive to you because your word is true. Your grace is sure. You're faithful and true. Bless us now. Help us. Give us the assistance that we need to see and to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. We're looking at the third servant song, and this is about the servant's preparation to bring justice to the nations. His preparation to be a light to the nations, his preparation for his chief task that we'll look at next year at the end of Isaiah 52 in the chapter 53. But this is about his preparation. And the first thing I want you to see today is that Yahweh prepares the servant. The servant is coming because Yahweh is sending him and Yahweh is completely committed. The one true God, the maker of all things, the redeemer of Israel, he's committed to the servant and his task. So look at what he says. The Lord, that's Adonai, Yahweh, that's his name, has given me the tongue of one who learns, one who is taught, that I may know how to sustain the weary one with the word. Part of the servant's mission will be sustaining the weary. But look at what Yahweh does. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. He awakens my ear to hear as one 
who learns. Uh, This is about the preparation of the servant. Where God's people characteristically aren't responsive and don't listen, he's going to come and listen. Morning by morning, Yahweh will open his ear. The Lord Yahweh has opened my ear, he tells us at the beginning in verse 5. Yahweh prepares the servant. Look at verse 7. Even now, the Lord Yahweh helps me. Verse 9, getting repetitive. Behold, the Lord Yahweh helps me. Uh, All through uh, this servant song, we're told that Yahweh prepares the servant for what's needed. Yahweh is fully committed to the servant and his commission He's going to prepare him for this very important task we'll hear more about next week. That's point one. Point two, the humble servant is prepared because he listens and obeys. See it with me. The Lord, Yahweh has given me the tongue of, of the disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with the word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as one who is taught. The Lord, Yahweh has opened my ears. The servant is one who is responsive, who listens. Uh, do you know, do you know that, uh, the epistle of the Hebrews in chapter five, verse eight tells us about God's own son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, that although he was a son, he learned. Uh, we believe that Jesus is the fulfillment of all these servant songs. Ultimately, Jesus, the eternal son of God, who became a full human being, who added our humanity to himself, who came as the, the long promised king, is also the servant that Yahweh sent. And this points us to the mystery of the incarnation. Jesus is God's eternal son and he added our real true humanity to himself. And here's part of the preparation of Jesus as a servant. As a human being, he learned. Don't you remember that that scene early in Jesus' life? It's recorded in Luke chapter two that Jesus' parents and his, his extended family, they go to Jerusalem for a festival. And when it's time to leave, they leave. And Joseph's sure Mary has him and Mary's sure that Joseph has him. Maybe you've had that experience leaving some store or hopefully not a vacation. I don't know. They're traveling, the, the family of the Messiah. They're, they're, they've left Jerusalem with all the extended family. They get a little bit out of town, pretty far out of town, and they finally realize they've left Jesus behind. Where is he? He's in the temple with the priests and the teachers, the scribes. He's learning. And when they come, they're like, Jesus, what are you doing? He says, what does he say? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? He was a learner. Although a son, he learned. Jesus learned. As the, the eternal son of God, adding our humanity to himself, he became a learner. He, he added our full humanity to himself. He had a fully human mind that had to learn. He had to learn to count children. He had to learn to spell. He had to learn to eat and to read. He had to learn. Is he fully God? And did as fully God, did he know all things absolutely forever and ever? And did he add our real humanity to himself? And did he, did he live a real human life and have to grow and learn? He did. The mystery of the incarnation. He came in humility as a learner. But in his humility, this humble servant is prepared because he listens and he obeys. He's responsive. Verse five, the Lord Yahweh has opened my ear and I did not rebel, nor did I turn back. 
Now, you know the history of Israel. They didn't just fail to listen to what God said. That meant they failed to obey him. And here the servant is different. He hears what God says. He listens. He takes it to heart. And to hear is to obey for the servant. And that is right. Because God is the one who speaks. And when God speaks, to hear his voice is to obey. That's true hearing, true listening to God. This is one of the things that Yahweh said uh, in chapter 49, right before this section, uh, when the people are complaining, our, our life's falling apart and you've forgotten us and you've forsaken us. And here's something that Yahweh says when he says, no, no, I've never divorced you. I've never put you away. Uh, you're in trouble because of your own sins. And he asked these questions. He says, when I came, where was everybody? It's, it's so it's the beginning of our past starts to chapter 50, verse two, right before the song. When I came, where, why was there no one? When I called, why didn't anyone answer? Are you familiar with those waking moments? The beginning of the day. When you wake up in the morning, are you not instantaneously aware that there's one true God and you belong to him? And how busy our schedules are. And how busy our minds. And if you're like me, how busy our hearts. And there's this immediate impulse when you wake up and you come to consciousness, there's a God. And I owe him the whole of my life. There's a God and he would address me today. And there's another impulse. I better suppress that as fast as I can. Do you know that part of yourself? Do you know that part of yourself that runs into busyness, that runs into the agenda, that's interrupted by the smartphone, that's interrupted by the hustle and bustle and the demands of life? Well, you and I have a savior who is the perfect disciple in our place, who is very responsive, perfectly responsive to the father, but he, the Lord woke him up morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as one who is taught. I want you to know the same opportunity is there for you and me every single day. Jesus is the perfect disciple in our place. And if you believe in Jesus morning by morning, you too are the Lord's servant. And the Lord wakes you up and would address you and me day in and day out. Do we suppress it? How busy and cluttered are our hands and our minds and our hearts and our minutes. But you're invited to listen and to respond. Thirdly, I want you to see in this humility, uh, the servant, he becomes the faithful and courageous servant. Because he listens to God's voice morning by morning, because Yahweh has committed to him and Yahweh opens his ear, he becomes not just obedient, but faithful and courageous. Look at it with me. Verse five, Lord, Yahweh has opened my ear and I did not rebel, nor did I turn back. I gave my back to those who strike me and my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard. I did not hide my face from dishonor and spitting. 
I want you to know that Jesus really, really and truly is the fulfillment of the servant songs. It's, it's amazing. What was God's response to people who would not listen? What was God's response to our failure on our side of the covenant? God said, I'm coming. I am coming for my people. God said, I'm sending a king. I'm sending a king in the line of David and he's going to reverse things and he's going to make things right. And I'm sending a very humble servant. And in the mystery of God's ways, this all turned out to be the same person. God himself showed up in the person of his eternal son who was born in the line of David. He's the true king who deserves our obedience. And the son of God, who is the true king, he's also the humble servant. Let me show it to you in one passage. This is Mark 15, 16 to 19. This is after Jesus' arrest, before his crucifixion. I'm going to read it to you. Please read it and look at it later. It's Mark 15, 16 to 20. And I want you to hear, this is the abuse of the servant. This is the mistreatment of the servant. But listen to how royal it is. And the soldiers, he'd already been arrested after he'd been betrayed. They led him away inside the palace, that is inside the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion. Let's get all the soldiers in here to watch us mock this guy, this pretender. And they clothed him in a purple cloak. Why? The colors of royalty. And twisting together a crown. Why? Because a ro- it's a king that wears a crown of thorns. Why? To cause him pain and mockery, they put it on him. And they began to salute him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Do you hear how royal it is? He's wearing royal garments. He's got a royal crown on. And they're saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And then we're told they bow down and pay him homage, all in mockery. See it together. He is the king. He should be wearing purple and he should be wearing a crown and they should hail him as the king of Jews and the nations, but they're doing so in mockery. Why? Because he really is the true king, but he's also the humble servant. But look, he doesn't turn back. And all of that mockery and all that beat down, it tells us in this passage, verse seven, the the servant, because he became faithful and obedient through his suffering and courageous, he set his face like flint. That means his face was like a hard stone, absolutely determined to do God's will. He has a commission from the father and he's going to do it. And no one can stop him. No oppression, no insult, no mockery can stop him. He has set his face like flint. Did you hear it in the new Testament gospel passage reading today from Mark nine? Jesus is with his disciples and he says, I want you to know the son of man is going to Jerusalem and he's going to be handed over. And they didn't understand it and they didn't ask any questions. Jesus knows he's going to Jerusalem and he's going to get the beat down in Jerusalem. He's going to be humiliated and abused and mistreated. And then what does it say? And when he, he, he understood that he was going to have his own ascension, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Jesus knew what was before him, the beatings, the rejection, the humiliation. He knew it was there. And what did he do? He set his face to go to Jerusalem absolutely determined to do to live out the commission that the father gave him for your salvation and for mine jesus is the faithful 
and courageous servant. He's, uh, Hebrews 5.8 says that although a son he learned, the rest of that verse is, although he was a, a son, he learned obedience through suffering. He obeyed all the way through the public shame and humiliation, all the way to the death, all the way to death on a cross because he had a commission, he had a mission and he's fully committed to it. Now, finally, I want you to see this, that the servant who ultimately is the son of God, the true king, our savior, Jesus, is and always will be the vindicated servant. Because he trusted in Yahweh, because he was right and he did what was right, he ultimately would be vindicated. Look at it with me in verse seven and following. Even now, Adonai, Yahweh helps me. Therefore, I am not dishonored. Everyone is dishonoring me. They're putting a purple cloak on me and then tearing it off me. They're putting a crown of thorns on my head. But I'm not dishonored because in the highest court, the father knows that I'm doing what is right. Therefore, I've set my face like Flint and I know I will not be ashamed. He who vindicates me is near. I I can't tell from my circumstances, but he's with me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up to each other. Who has a judgment against me? Let him approach me. Behold, the Lord Adonai Yahweh helps me. Who is he who condemns me? Let me answer that question. Everyone condemned Jesus. His own people condemned him. You can't be the right Messiah. The governors convinced him, uh, convicted him, condemned him. Pilate condemned him, though Pilate tells us multiple times he knew that Jesus was innocent, but he condemned him anyway. But Jesus was ultimately the righteous servant who fully obeyed and he was condemned, but not because there was anything about him condemnable. He was righteous and just and true, condemned anyway, but ultimately not condemned. And that's the point. Behold, they will all wear out like a garment and the moth will eat them. Who will the moth eat? Those false accusers of mine. So please use your imagination. Go with me into that room. Jesus is there. That's the true son of God in our humanity. He really is the king in David's line. He really is the humble servant. And they're putting a purple robe on him just to mock him. What do we know now? That he deserved that purple robe. And what about those mockers? Gone. Do you think today they regret heaping abuse on him? Oh yes, and they will. Can you see in that room when they twisted on his head a crown of thorns? Oh, the redemptive irony. We mock you claiming to be king, but Jesus is the one that will pull all the thorns out of God's good creation because he's the only faithful Adam who gave his life in perfect obedience, even for people like you and me. Behold, they will all wear out like a garment. Everyone who falsely accused him, who wants to be Herod on the great day of judgment? Who wants to be Pilate? Who knew he was innocent but condemned him anyway? No, no, no. The false accusers, they have and they will fall. But Jesus was vindicated. He's who he said he was and he always will be. And here's this wonderful mystery of the good news of Jesus Christ. If you hear his voice, if you listen to him, his obedience His vindication belongs to you. 
He knows how to sustain the weary with the word of grace. And next week we'll see quite emphatically that he's condemned in the place of the wicked as well. Look at the end, verses 10 and 11, and then we'll come to the table together. Here's the really important question. Who among you fears Yahweh and listens to the voice of his servant? Do do you appropriately hold God in high reverence? Do, Do you trust God? Do you love God? Do you believe in God? Then listen to the voice of his servant. Don't you remember that scene? It's in John 6 where Jesus begins to say, hey, I'm the real true bread from heaven. I'm the real manna. I'm what you need. I came to give you life. And people are like, what the heck is he talking about? And eventually Jesus gets really clear and he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in yourselves. And people are like, that's way too much. That's the bridge too far, Jesus. And they began to reject him and go away from him. And Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, are you going to leave too? And Peter, who will fail multiple times, looks at Jesus and says, where Where can we go, Lord? You alone have the words of eternal life. Is your your ear opened to the word of the servant? Who alone has the words of eternal life? Come to me and have life. Come to me and have life. King Jesus, the eternal son of God, the true king in David's line, and the humble servant who gave his life and was mistreated, looks at you and me and says, come to me, come to me and have life. But there's an alternative. Who among you fears Yahweh that listens to the voice of a servant that walks in darkness and has no light? There are days when it won't feel good to stick with Jesus. There are days when you'll feel like faithfulness to God is only darkness and I can't see any light. And on those days will you listen to the voice of the servant and say, where else can I go? You alone have the words of life. But here's the alternative. Verse 11, behold all you who kindle a fire, who gird yourselves with firebrands. That can be translated, who equip yourself with your own torches. Walk in the light of your own fire. Guess what you did? You, 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 He said his face like flint. You picked up your flint and made all kinds of little fires around you to warm yourself and give yourself light. Now you're surrounded by fire. Are you going to choose all the paths for your own life? Are you going to set your own course? Are you going to look at some inner light to be the true light of your life? Are you going to follow your own path and have your own ways? The servant says that's the way of death. You can reject the servant and follow follow your own ways and that is the ways of death and he'll let you have your choice. You'll lie down in torment. But you don't have to go that way. You can come to the servant who alone has the words of life. Oh Lord Jesus, help us be supple and soft before you, coming to you for life itself. We come to you now at your table to have life from you, to eat the bread which is yours to give and to drink the cup you've put into our hands. Amen.